Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. So it's Johnny and Bruce in the Global Broadcast Centre. In a moment or two, we'll be hearing from Nick Damon and Joe Bradley patrolling the Daytona pit lane as well. Uh, but t- plenty of stories already this weekend, Bruce, to keep tabs on. And of course, it's a slightly strange situation in that you enter a race weekend with a grid already set for the main event. That was done during the Raw before the 24. But nevertheless, these free practice sessions are so, so important for all the teams. They really are. And standing back and watching last weekend's Raw, what just stood out was the fact the cars at the front end, the GTP cars, are absolutely flying as never before. Fastest laps just tumbling in front of them. The anti in the GTP class has really, really come on. I mean, in world sports car racing, it's just such an exciting time. But at the moment, the nose in front appears to be Cadillac. They're really showing some fantastic pace. But in the mix, we've got the BMWs pitching in there. We've uh, got so many makes at the front end. I can't think of a race here for many, many a year, if ever it's been that competitive at the front. So, you know, fingers crossed. This event's been running since 1966. And uh, fabulous names, Ken Miles, Lloyd Ruby, winning that opening one for Shelby American with their Ford GT40. But we have moved on, the race has moved on, but it's just becoming ever more global. Exciting days. If you've not been around, and where on earth have you been, for the first three free practice sessions? Well, the first of them, as I say, they've all been 90 minutes up until now and all held yesterday. The first of them bright and early uh, to just after 10 o'clock. And that was topped by the 0-1 Cadillac Racing V-Series R of Alex Polo, Renga van der Zander, Sebastian Bourdais and Scott Dixon. It was a time set by Dixie himself, a 136.012. Then we moved on just after lunchtime to free practice two, where, funnily enough, the 0-1 car was fastest again, so we don't need to give you a list of all of the drivers this time. However, it wasn't Scott Dixon, it was Alex Pelot in the 0-1 fastest, and actually Renga van der Zander's time wasn't too shabby either. That was less than a second away from Alex's effort. And then yesterday evening for 90 minutes, so night practice effectively running from just after 6.30 to 5 past 8 the 31 Wayland Cadillac was top in that session and the time set by Pipo Durrani. He was faster than the number seven Porsche from Porsche Penske Motorsport of Dane Cameron, Felipe Nasser, Matt Campbell and J- Joseph Newgarten. And it was Nasser who set the time. So this is the final practice session ahead of the race. There will be no warm-up. So you better have got the car sorted for nighttime running. Last night, there's a long period of darkness, although at Daytona it's never truly darkness because of the amount of floodlighting around this wonderful amphitheatre venue. But it's weird to think that at 20 past 12 this afternoon, we'll be done packing the cars away 
and then setting setting sights on the race start tomorrow at 1.40. I've mentioned our CrowdStrike Pitlow reporters already. We've got Joe Bradley one end and this voice is Nick Damon. Oh, with Ben Keating, who's in the United Autosports or the uh, end, end of his uh, job. He's in his JDC Miller outfit. Um, a very busy weekend. Is it a busy uh, last hour for busy last hour for you as well, Ben? Let's wait till these cars leave here. I couldn't hear you. When, I couldn't hear your question. So you're, you're wearing a different outfit to the one you're going to go to this car. You've got a big busy weekend with, in two cars. Is it a busy last practice as well? Yeah, absolutely. I'll be going between both cars in this last hour just, just like I did last night uh, I started in this car and then I went down to the Porsche 963 and then I came back down to this car I was uh, very busy last night looks like I'll be doing it again uh, the, today how easy is it to jump from one car to the other they're very different yeah so this will be the eighth time I've done two different cars in uh, the Rolex 24 this is far and away the most difficult Moving from the LMP2 over to the GTP is, uh, is quite difficult because they make their speed in different ways. You know, the LMP2 is actually faster in the braking zones and the cornering, and the GTP's got so much power, it just goes uh, in a straight line very, very quickly. But uh, uh, because they're so different and because the GTP is so complicated with the hybrid systems, uh, uh, it's, it's a chore to, uh, to make the switch. I mean, most of us would be happy with just running one car at Daytona Day eight times. Now, what, why, what is the desire to run in two different machines? Uh, well, uh, I've put together the best possible team I can possibly put together to try to win this race for the last 13 years. I won it one time in 2015, uh, and it was not in my main program. It was in my backup program. Uh, because I've tried so hard to win this race with such great teams, I realize that every car in this race is a long shot. You, have, you cannot pick a favorite because every car is a long shot. And if I view that every car is a long shot, then if I'm in two different cars, I'll double my chances. Do you, do you play roulette the same way? <laughs> I, 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 I don't play roulette because it has the worst odds in Vegas, but I'll say I play craps the same way. Excellent. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. You, Ben Keating, and I have it on very good authority that the teams think so as well, at least they, those that have not necessarily worked with him directly before. United Order Sports plugging him into their Orica 07 to join Nico Pino, Ben Hanley and Pato O'Ward and mightily impressed with the Texan considering he's only done 10 laps in that number two car and for those chalking him off on the entry list he's also entered in the number 85 JDC Miller Motorsports Porsche 963 some tasty rides there uh, certainly are but what I dub it's sort of an old fashioned feel you know, to be able to be so sort of Catholic in his taste and uh, opt for a double. Why not? So the wonderful sound of the CrowdStrike 04 car making its way up onto the banking in the background. That is the Orica 07 for George Kurtz, Colin Brown, Toby Sowery and Malta Jakobsen. And this, speaking of CrowdStrike, is our other pit reporter for CrowdStrike and our uh, news from the pits, Joe Bradley. Well, the car that will start the race tomorrow afternoon on the pole position is, of course, the 31 Whelan Cadillac. That just pulls in at my feet. Pete Modorani has literally just gone out. He's come straight back in. 
He's basically scrubbed some Michelin tyres in. He steps out of the car. I was going to get a chat to some of his teammates. However, everyone in this wheel and pit is ready to get in the car. So I think this is certainly the start of this one-hour programme for the car that's in top pole position. They're going to cycle their drivers through and scrub sets of tyres in readiness for the race. Now, the guys, I don't know what your thoughts are about getting the, the qualifying done and dusted a week ago, but I kind of like it, and I know that the engineers that I've spoken to like it as well. The qualifying's out of the way. They don't have to deliberate over set-up, race setups and qualifying setups. That was all done last weekend. It's been complete focus on race strategies from there on in, and that's where we are this week. All week long, we've been focusing on the race that starts tomorrow. And this one-hour session, well, it's effectively what in the old days would have been called the morning warm-up. It's the last run before the race. So you really are crossing the T's and dotting the I's. And knowing race engineers that I do, there'll still be deliberation going on this evening. Another pit and paddock report from CrowdStrike and Joe Bradley as the number four Corvette goes straight on at the Le Mans chicane on the back straight. So car four having to mop that up very swiftly indeed, but has gulped in a little bit of grass into the grill, which uh, they may well have to be monitoring engine temperatures from this point on. That was Earl Bamber with an uncharacteristic mistake. I have to keep going over in my mind, Earl Bamber in a Corvette, which doesn't happen very often, Bruce. No, when a driver drives for many years for one manufacturer, it's just like a reflex action, isn't it, to say so-and-so Lamborghini or whatever. But yes, Earl Bamber, Corvette, well, busy boy, because of course he runs teams in the Far East as well. Those generally stick with Porsche, though, so that's less confusing for me. But, uh, yeah, going back to Joe's point, the element about uh, getting qualifying out of the way, I too quite like it, because... It, in other championships, in other great races, if you still have the mix, some men, some teams are just going for qualifying. Some are trying to be realise they won't have much of a chance in qualifying. They're happy to start near the back. This is rather more pure. But right now, it's just the one session here today, Friday at Daytona. You know, it's about just keeping your nose clean. And as soon as I say that, the number seven Porsche got very, very sideways out at the chicane. So people are pressing on. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be coming into the pits uh, very soon indeed. I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. Perhaps Nick or Joe could take a look when it gets there. Yeah, well, I won't say there's an awful lot at stake during this session, but there's no point tootling around when you want the car to be in its best possible mode at the start of a 24-hour race. You could say that the, the pace is going to be measured to an extent, although these days in, in endurance racing they say... Not a bit of it. It is a sprint race for twice around the clock and no letting up at all. But I just wonder whether in the overnight uh, stints you're just going to make the mixture a little less rich. However, at the start, that is where you need to bolt away if, if at all you can. Um, and that assumes that the race avoids early yellows. And therefore it's important to try and find as much pace in this session as possible because you're dialing the car in to how you want it to be for the start of the race. Yes, there's all the logistical side of things that Joe was mentioning in that you've got to scrub tyres and you've got to bed in brakes as well, but much of that will have already been done, surely, with three times 90 minutes prior to this. Uh, let's get a little, little bit more from Joe Bradley. Who have you found this time? I've got Frankie Montecalvo. Now, uh, Frankie Montecalvo of the Vassa Sullivan Lexus. Uh, Frankie, we're, we're deliberating as to what exactly this session is all about for, for all of the teams. What's it all about for you guys? Uh, for us, we got a lot done during the week. The car has been great. We rolled off pretty strong, so uh, we're just using it as 
final session before the race to make sure everything's working. You know, we found some, you know, issues at night practice with a little lighting, just getting all that dialed in, make sure everything's, you know, perfect because it's our last shot on track. Temperatures are a lot different to last weekend. We're going to be very, very hot going into this weekend. Is that going to make a massive difference to how you approach it? Uh, I think it's going to make a lot of differences for the setup of the car. Um, it's just going to be getting hotter and hotter. Um, we haven't really kind of gone in any different direction because we think we're kind of in the window we need to be at. So, uh, but yeah, I think it, I think it will change setup for some cars. Engineers I've worked with in the past, Frankie, deliberate right up until the green flag. Do you think there's going to be even more deliberation? tonight you know the eve of the race yeah i mean everyone kind of sometimes gets a little indecisive of where they're going but i think we have the right the right setup and i think we're confident in our car and our program we know it very well so uh we're looking forward to getting going here thanks man cheers frankie montecalvo with our crowd strike fit reporter joe bradley nick damon looking after matters the other end of this vast pit road at daytona and of course any significant work that may need to be done during the race you cannot do that on the the main apron they have to go behind the concrete walls and rack back towards where your garage is based to work behind the wall as it's quite obviously coined but that automatically costs you more time in wheeling the car to its location and back again yeah, that was the thing that really struck me five years ago when I made, finally made my first visit to Daytona 24 hours, just how far they had to take those cars to the garages. It gave them loads of space, but some of them were felt like about a quarter of a mile from, their, from their, uh, where they would be putting it on the pit lane, but it was good to be able to go back and see what was being done on the cars. But, uh, and again, the wonderful accessibility that all the fans have when they come to races like the Rolex yeah. 24 at Daytona. It's just it's a chance to see this really human side of uh, mechanics and engineers working, trying to repair cars that have gone wrong. So I really, really enjoyed that. Obviously, the teams don't enjoy having their cars there, but uh, again, it's part of the rich history of this race, the very format of the, of the place. Three GTP cars fastest so far than a whole clump of LMP2s, but Sebastian Bourdais just gone quickest in the number 01 Cadillac. It's already top two free practice sessions to date. The Cadillac V-Series R... And the Frenchman's just done a 136.611 from Nick Tandy's 963, prepared by Porsche Penske Motorsports. And car six is second fastest, but about a, a second and a half away from Bordet's time. Then Jesse Crone, who's just pitted the BMW uh, Hybrid V8, run by RLL. And the 24 car then back in the pits, but it, well, it was third fastest it's now actually slipped down to fifth quickest because Richard Westbrook's just gone through in the JDC Miller Motorsports Porsche 963 to do a 138.3 so that puts him third ahead of, ahead of Felipe Nasser in the number seven car for Penske Motorsports another 963 so there are three of those now in the top four yeah just to give you reference relative to the pole position which was taken by the uh, 01 Cadillac uh, Pipo Dirani last weekend that was one minute 32.656 seconds so the best part of four seconds faster than the best today so Cadillac good looking very good at all times so far so let's go down to Nick Damon in our crowd strike pit uh, it, I am and in the 66 pit it's the uh, JG Wetworth it's the Acura uh, with Stephen McAleer uh, Stephen just pointing out he's in the wrong outfit because uh, you're one of the many drivers doing a double double stint today, aren't you, with the, with the big four-hour race coming up next? Yeah, you know, we got Pilot Challenge at 145, and then, uh, you know, one of the uh, Tatiana's out in the Acura right now. And, uh, you know, just such a fun weekend. Uh, my MX-5 Cup team just won both races. We won yesterday, and Nate Cicero just won today. So 
Uh, so far, so good. Hopefully, we can keep that momentum going. I'm, I'm having a good time so far. It's like a cracky weekend. I think I should probably come and sit here and join you guys. Um, talking about the accuracy, well, yeah, we've had a whole raft of, of BOP change. I'm happy to talk about BOP change. Just about every single car had a BOP change. How do you as a driver and also a member of the, of the whole team feel about this constant tweaking? You know, it's such a tough deal, uh, you know, for IMSA. There's just, there's, there's so many cars here. You know, the driver talent this year has been as good as any year in the past. And, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot of, I, I think a lot of manufacturers out there that are not showing their true cards right now. Uh, we certainly are. Uh, we feel that we have a good car. We have a strong car. And, uh, you know, 20, 24 hours is a long time. So the goal is to try and stay, stay tidy for most of that and then see where we are at the end. Giving us lay people an idea, I mean, you, you, you turn up on a Friday, I mean, it's not particularly this car, but you turn up, your, your car is something 15 kilograms heavier and nine horsepower less. Does that mean you have to change the setup, or is it just simple sort of driver style change, or do you not even really notice it? Uh, you know, it's a good point. I, this is the first weekend I've driven the car, minus the roar, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. The, the changes that have been made to the car, like, yeah, it's made it a little quicker when we got the increase in, in, in boost. Uh, Handling-wise, it didn't really change much, but yeah, it's been fluctuating. We had kilograms added on, then taken back off, and you know, just real credit to, to Gradient Racing. Uh, we've got a car that seems to be set up really well. Uh, you know, Catherine Leg and Sheena Monk that are regulars in this car said, you know, this thing is the best it's ever been. So, yeah, we'll see what we can do on Sunday. And I wish you best of luck for, for now, the rest of the day, for the Pilot Challenge race, uh, for the, I think it's the third MX race coming, and the main race. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. Stephen McAleer in another CrowdStrike pit lane report, chatting to Nick Damon. Now a slight off for Mikkel Jensen, who is quickest so far in LMP2, so an indication of quite how hard the Dane is pushing, perhaps. Although there was a car off at the Le Mans chicane already. That was a Lamborghini number 60 in yeah. GT. GTD. GTD Pro, it got upgraded. That's Claudio Schiavone, who was uh, threading his way through. Yes, did two? Did it take two to tango? But certainly the TDS Racing Orico with Mikkel Jensen found itself where it didn't want to be. But that is now arriving in the pit lane, possibly just have a little check over after that moment. I think the two incidents actually were unrelated, having been able to revisit that. So the, Claudio Schiavone just straight-lining the Le Mans chicane by threading his way through the tyre bales and perhaps before that Mikkel Jensen had had his moment in the TDS Racing Orica which remains fastest in this session, car number 11 so ninth in the overall times and Mikkel immediately pitted after that but he's not alone in LMP2 because Mathieu Vaxivier has come down pit road in the 88 LMP2 car, that's the Richard Mille AF Corsa Orica and Era Motorsports Ryan Diel also in an Orica 07. You can say that for the majority of the LMP2 field, bar the Ligier, which uh, does give us some more variety than I'm used to, I have to admit. João Barbosa is currently piloting the Sean Creech Motorsport LMP2 from Ligier, and car 33 is in 10th position. Also, hearing from Stephen McAleer made me look up the, or remind myself of the uh, free practice results so far, in which FP1, the gradient racing Acura, top the times so clearly there is some speed there car 66 was uh, a bit further down in 14th i say a bit quite a lot further down in 14th position in free practice two and was not in the significant runners in fp3 either but that 
really doesn't tell you a great deal because teams had different priorities. Well, well, entirely so. But reading through drivers' comments from yesterday, I mean, Catherine Legg was absolutely euphoric about how well that car was handling. I think she said it was the best handling car she's ever raced. So Stephen McAleer uh, emphasising that as well. But, you know, and that's what you want. A car that's feeling comfortable and handles well going into the data. The 24 hours here at Daytona, it's got to be good on the banking, good through the, the horseshoe section. So this real variety... So a few cars are sort of limping in quite slowly. We've just seen Ollie, mm. Ollie Jarvis coming in quite slowly. The number down in 50th position, the number nine uh, FAF Motorsport uh, McLaren 720S that's running in the GTD Pro class. And don't forget, Ollie held one of the very fastest laps ever around the Daytona International Speedway until uh, Pipo Durrani sort of lowered that level. Not by a lot, but by a margin that, uh, that counts. In fact, a thousandth of a second we a margin that counts, but uh, certainly Ollie's been one of the major stars in the last uh, half a dozen years here at Daytona on the banking. New name at the top of the shop in GTP is Conady Felipe for BMW. So the BMW M team RLL's M Hybrid V8, that's car 25, now fastest of anybody with a 136.222, nearly a quarter of a second faster than Sebastian Bourdais' earlier effort in the 01 Cadillac. Well, shall we do the maths? If you've got a one-hour session and you want to run four of your drivers through it, give them about uh, 12 minutes each and then a little time in the pits, and that's why the pit lane is suddenly very, very busy indeed. We were talking earlier about the lone Ligier, Sean Creech Motorsport. It seemed a peculiar move at the end of the last year when he said he was going to go against the trend in uh, the LMP2 class and go to a car that hadn't really succeeded, the Ligier uh, JSP217. But you know what? The drivers in, on board in there, particularly Nolan Siegel, been absolutely raving about it. So I think a driver, we all like a bit of variety. Mm. It's running at the back of P2, but not right at the back. And it looks fantastic with its Stars and Stripes delivery. So that's going to earn some fans. It's a bit like stepping back in time and then coming into the, into the present day. I don't mind that at all. It's just nice to have another badge represented in a, a category that was in danger of only going in one direction when actually four chassis are available. Now, not just one Ferrari, but two off on the same lap. And again, this was unrelated, I think. But first of all, again, it's the Le Mans chicane, a lose of the rear on car 21, the all-red Ferrari, which uh, did actually manage to mop up that moment fairly swiftly and is moving again. And was I just seeing a, a version of that event from another angle? And it was confusing me Quite, to... Well, I tell you I, what, and the driver on board who was losing, it was a Miguel Molino. Yeah. He's, he knows these cars incredibly well. Yes, he's moved on from the 488 GT3 to the 296, but uh, I think it's rather more slippery there than we appreciate, because that must be about four cars. I think pretty much one from each class has had a, a moment in two-thirds of the way through. You've done the left, the right, and then you're just straightening to go right and left. That's the point where the tail comes around. Is there a 296 with uh, a bit more white on it? Because I thought there was a white uh, Ferrari going slightly wayward in the similar part of that uh, well, track. Well, that would be Conquest Racing, car number 34, one would think, which is uh, yeah. white with the red diagonal red stripe across the side. But uh, great to have. You know, when a manufacturer brings out the next model and gets their GT3 model, it's always interesting, and it does normally take a year or two for them to get it entirely nailed on. That is just the level of... Uh, you need at this uh, category, particularly in GT3, with so many manufacturers playing. It's a real game of nip and tuck, and you've talked about balance of performance as well. In fact, about the only one that hasn't really been mucked around too much has been the one that's been out there pretty much the longest, which is that Lexus RCF. Well, the pair of them run by Vassar Sullivan, so it was good that Joe caught up with uh, Frankie Montecalvo to tell us about that at the start of the session down in the CrowdStrike pit lane. 
gaps between the cars getting perilously close as they slow down for the pit lane and the number nine McLaren works its way to a fairly early stop actually for it this weekend to the left so it can either be a long long wait chugging along at the speed limit before you finally turn in at the last minute or you can be one of the early callers which Martin Kerhofer is for FAF Motorsports in their very attractively liveried McLaren 720S and uh, the belts being undone, a new driver installed. So this goes with what Bruce was talking about in that uh, the shifts during this session have to, having to be clipped fairly early on to make sure that all the drivers are rotated through. Let's get another CrowdStrike pit report. Joe Bradley. I was just trying to tell you, Johnny, that the 32 Mercedes, uh, that's done for the day. That's been pushed out back now and uh, being put away and probably be mothballed for tomorrow or even more deliberation going on at what the camera should be for tomorrow's race but uh, certainly calling it a day on the and, it, and I don't think it was calling it a day for the, for, the, for the wrong reasons if you like I think they've just done what they aim to do in this session Fair enough, so that was Mike Skeen bringing the car in and presumably having a conversation on what turned out to be his in-lap with everyone else at Courtoff and Preston Motorsports to say, have we got anything else to do significantly in pre-practice four or can we call it a day? And obviously the answer was positive in that respect. It's possibly a brave move with still 39 minutes on the clock, but risk versus reward. And the problem is, you know, you have a moment around here and we've seen several of them in this session alone. They've actually generally all got away with that, but there is a very hard concrete wall on the outer edge of this raceway. Look, another factor within that, we talked about this at the start, the fact that qualifying was done and dusted at the Raw last weekend. All of yesterday, three free practice sessions, one today. But the, another factor in that is two of the drivers in the course of Preston Motorsports Mercedes have huge amounts of experience in Mercedes-AMG GT3, which is Mikiel Grenier, Canadian driver and German racer Maximilian Gertz, who's been there, seen it, done it and won it. Uh, one of these so having that level of amg experience is just vital they can interpret the vital signs so much more clearly than others that are still sort of learning their way mm -hmm. trying to find the parameters within the car so uh, yeah i think Kortov pressed on just decided let's be quiet let's be simple uh, the fastest time so far was set by pipo durani there's now been a driver change in the 31 whalen engineering Cadillac V-Series R, so that's going to confuse me. Jack Aitken only just installed, so he didn't do the 136.131, but the Brit is now piloting the 31 car. Faster than Connedy, Felipe and Scott Dixon. Let's get another CrowdStrike pit report with Nick Damon. Down at the uh, number eight town motorsports P2 is Scott McLaughlin. Scott, you're back again after the attempt at Petit. Um, hoping with better luck, I expect. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, really proud of this team. You know, We've just chipped away the last couple of weeks, and, and I think we're in a really good spot. So um, it's a tough field this year, though. Like LMP2 is absolutely stacked. A lot of my IndyCar buddies are out there, so uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, but I'm sure when it comes down to the last few hours, it's going to be it's going to be pretty intense. Is there a sort of an IndyCar WhatsApp group for the guys who are doing this race? <laughs> yeah, not really. Me and Felix were sort of bantering a little bit the other day, um, but. We, we're all just out here for our respective teams and then hand it over. Hopefully we, we do a good job for everyone, but um, having a blast. Such a cool race. I'm so excited for the race. Um, hopefully we have a bit better luck than the start of last, last year and we find ourselves in the fight mid to late through the race. As, you, as, as we have seen, the field kind of closed up, hasn't it, at the course of a practice session. Do, do, 
Is there a reason for that, or is it just, it's, it's just the natural way of the LMP2 world? Uh, there's not much you can do with the cars, and once you get your head around here, well, there's plenty of good drivers to get their head around. Um, I think it's just going to be key to get through that first sort of 12 hours, get through the night, and, and find yourself in a spot. You know, it's, people are going to be at, at times going hard and are not, but um, I feel like we've got a really good game plan, and hopefully that bodes us well. Is this just, you know, you guys having a bit of fun, or does it actually help you with your, your main program in the IndyCar series? No, this is, I, I mark this on my calendar to do every year because it's such a good warm-up. You're with some of the world's best drivers, and the intensity level is just like IndyCar in some ways. So, um, you know, this is perfect, and it's hot. Like, it's, uh, it's sweaty out there, and um, I'm, I'm having a blast. So, uh, yeah, I love this race. Hopefully I can keep coming back in the, in the, in the future. Great stuff, and better luck for the start. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Scott McLaughlin from Tower Motorsport, so sharing with, funnily enough, John Ferrano, and then Michael Dynan and Ferdy Habsburg in the number eight, Orica 07. Well, I think one of the things there, uh, we, we had uh, Scott talking about enjoying the banter with the fellow IndyCar drivers, but I challenge you not to have good banter if you've got Ferdy Habsburg as one of your teammates. Uh, the Austrian aristocrat is just an, a hugely quick driver, but so entertaining. He's a complete live wire, so uh, you can be sure in the small hours of the morning, if it's all going a little quiet down in the pit lane at Tower Motorsports, that Ferdy will be entertaining. The all-yellow JDC Miller Motorsports Porsche 963. A very simple livery this year, but that's very JDC at the same time. And the new 963 shape, well, yes, it's a season old now, but takes to that wonderfully well. Time and Von der Helm, Richard Westbrook, who was going quickly earlier on, Phil Hansen and Ben Keating are the driver lineup, and it's just coming through the trioval now to tackle yet another lap of this awkward infield particularly in one of these big GTPs, the GT prototypes that are eager to get up onto the high banks but I would imagine aren't a, a real handful to, uh, to get through the, the, the twist and turn into the western horseshoe and then that little kink as well which is often forgotten but is so important to a crucial lap time Well at the moment it's Richard Westbrook on board the brewer from Bath as we call him now with his own range of beers and I must say it almost looks old fashioned the, uh, the shape of that Porsche 963 is incredibly svelte and contemporary but it almost reminds me of a Group C car from the 1980s just simply because the colour, colour scheme is so simple just solid yellow but I tell you what Rich is really getting that going well he's fourth fastest he's uh, three quarters of a second or thereabouts down on the best time set by the number 31 Whelan uh, Cadillac so he's right in the mix best of the Porsches and I really think this second full season for the Porsche 963s we're going to see them finding some form moving up the order and for JDC Miller well they're ahead of uh, the other Porsche teams including uh, Porsche Penske Motorsport so uh, no small achievement for them at this point get used to the battle in LMP2 which is just coming out of the uh, the turn four on the speedway and absolutely side by side so often a battle can be like this probably for 10 laps or more and around the outside is the 88 of Matcher Vaxavier clipping the kerb and eventually I was going to say gets the place they're not actually racing yet but it feels like they are but, but that's, you know, practice is about getting the, the handle of the car but also for drivers who haven't, I'm not saying Matthew Vaxavier doesn't have but when you come to Daytona for the first time learning how to run next to a, not just a, someone from another class but your class rivals then you've really, really find that very, very invaluable. Now, one of the drivers who's been learning as he goes, uh, stepping up to P2, is George Kurtz. Joe Bradley, as if by magic, down in the crowd strike pit lane, has caught him. 
Uh, George and I are just talking about uh, how I've just been parachuted into a sauna. George, you're acclimatized. You've been here a week. Yes. It's uh, much hotter than uh, it was last week, which is okay because we tuned the car for the hot weather. And uh, we feel pretty good about it. But it doesn't matter. We've got to run the race, and it's a uh, long 24 hours. I'm just trying to find your, uh, your 04. In my head, I had it as 40, 04. Um, you know what? We talk about the weather. The weather is so different to when you guys qualified. Um, is that, is that you know, going to make a difference to the LMP2s? We've talked about the GTD drivers, and they say yes. Well, it's a huge difference. I mean, it was cold. It was really perfect weather for a fast lap. But we, we've been really focusing on getting our car set up even last week for the warm weather. So we really bias it towards that. So I think if it stays warm, we'll have a good car, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, the track just changes dramatically from today. Yesterday, uh, last night, it was totally changing conditions. So you just have to adapt to it and, and work around the car. And from that, is that, is that going to be the case for the 24 hours? Is the track going to, as we say, evolve? Well, I think so. I think you're going to have similar weather today. You're going to have, you know, it's going to be cool, cooler. It's going to be hot during the middle of the day, and then it's going to get cooler again, get cooler in the night, and it's going to rubber up. So the car is going to change dramatically from the start of the race to the end of the race. Any, uh, any weather forecast news you've got for us? I've seen about 15 different. It's going to rain, it's not going to rain. What are you guys heard? Uh, I Last time I, uh, I tried to forecast, I didn't do so well. So I think we just got to be ready to go. Rain or shine, doesn't matter. And uh, I think we all have good drivers, so we'll be set to, to roll. Driver prep being a racing driver, you'll, of course, be hitting a nightclub tonight. And, you know, oh, sorry, no, it's not the 70s anymore. You know, try, try to get some good sleep. I had a quick uh, stop in Europe this week, so I'm still getting over a little jet lag. Uh, but I think I'll be fine, and uh, we're just going to take it easy tonight, rest for tomorrow, and get ready for the start of the race. It's going to be a great one, George. Thanks for joining us. George Kurtz chatting to Joe Bradley. Now, I have to say, on paper, yes, it's a warm day, but the temperature's not into the 30s. We're talking actual temperature 22 degrees C. That's about 77 Fahrenheit, feeling like 25 However, the humidity is way up there. It's 85 degrees currently at the racetrack. So that's what Joe will be complaining about so much. He has a lot of things to complain about in these days. But uh, 85% is what I meant, not 85 degrees. I quite like 85 degrees. 85%... Humidity. Now, now, we were talking about those two P2 cars running side by side through turn four on the speedway, getting used to each other. Mathieu Vassivier in one of those. He's in the 88 Orica from Richard Mill AF Corsa. That had ramifications because they overtook the Dragon Speed Orica as they approached the uh, Le Mans chicane, effectively the far side of the circuit. One driver in front of them was watching them and then realised he'd outbraked himself or was about to. And that was the car that was fastest in GTT, GTD Pro, Daniel Serra in the 62 Ritzy Competizione Ferrari. But he didn't panic. The Brazilian's too good for that. He just went straight on, slowed it down, snaked his way through. Scratch that lap. He might as well sort of come in. He wasn't going for time. He was going for setup. But you can just, even in practice, even in the fourth of the practice sessions, realised one little moment of inattention. And that night uh, at the nightclub that Joe was talking about tonight for all the crews would be scrapped because they'd be building a car again for tomorrow's race. I'm not sure whether the line that has previously been in the regulations here, which says if you do outbreak yourself into the Le Mans chicane, you snake through the tyres and then you have to come to a complete halt before continuing. That used to be a rule... I'll need to check whether that still exists in 2024 because there have been some cars that haven't stopped. So that rather suggests to me that they've arranged the tyres this year to really properly delay you. Like, you know, you almost need a, a degree in auto testing to get through. 
just under 30 minutes to go and let's focus for a moment on the GTD and GTD AM cars, pro cars should I say, GTD are the sort of non-pro machines whereas in the past we used to have GTLM and GT Daytona. One of the LMP2s, actually, before I do focus on those GT cars, has just done exactly that at the Le Mans chicane and did not stop. And is that a new paint scheme that's not on your, your spotter's list? Well, no, list? I, I thought at first glance it was the uh, win, it was the um, the purple one that uh, Ben Keating's driving. Then I, th I panicked for a second, it might be the 99 AO Racing, which is also pink, pinky purple. But again, that's a higher line mm. uh, through... Uh, the Le Mans chicane in avoidance of the tyre walls. But uh, I think the track is still a little bit little bit slippery for them today. You know, it might be muggy. You normally thought that gives you a little bit more grip, but certainly a few drivers. And it's all in the third part of the chicane. If you split a chicane like that into four parts, they've got it slightly loose coming out of the second part, which is the right-hander, and just can't get it turned into the third. And so some loose moments out there. Well, there's been a lot of track action away from the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship today. This is... This championship's only session of the day, just an hour-long free practice for, and I suppose it depends how the track was the last time each of these drivers was in the car. And so it's not necessarily a precarious track, but if it's changed a great deal, then it might just take a few laps to, to fully work out what those changes have been. I was talking about GTD, while well, Sheena Monk's currently in the Gradient Racing Acura NSX, and that 66 car that has topped the session already in the weekend or yesterday in fact is currently in 15th position but GTD is topped by Thomas Priming for Andretti Motorsports in their Porsche 992 911GT3R 992 and that's car number 43 faster than Jens Klingman in the Turner Motorsport BMW and Riccardo Agostini in the Triassi Competizione Ferrari GTD Pro headed by Matteo Cairoli who's just done that lap 147.239 and here in the pits is Joe it wouldn't be Daytona 24 hours if I didn't have a chance to chat to my good friend Wynn Taylor Wynn here we are you're doing it all again another season ahead of you two cars here this weekend all very very serious effort from the uh, HRC yeah it is it's a um, it's a big change from what we've done in previous years although you know we knew this a few years ago that this was going to happen doesn't change the fact that um, you can't hire people until everybody's season's over. So we've had to build a second team for the second car, literally after the IndyCar program. But we've got some really good people. We've got big support from HRC and um, certainly from Orica. We got, we got a, I think, the best driver lineup. Um, but it's tough where, you know, we're normally used to being at the front end of the grid, but we're not there at the moment. Uh, is there any particular reason why not? Is that just down to car performance? Because everything else, like you say, Andretti, Wintiller Racing, Oregon, all of those things, and the driver lineup, incredible. So what's the what's behind it? No comment. All right, so you do know, you just don't want to comment? Yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. We're going to see maybe a different... Can you see things being any different on Sunday afternoon then? No, I don't see um, I don't see any change between now and the race. So all we're doing is trying to um, uh, practice on executing, tire saving, and if we can stay on the lead lap, let's say after four or five hours, 
then I think we'll have a have a chance. But at the way, at the rate they're going, we could get lapped. Oh, really? That bad? I mean, how, how do you keep the motivation? When you've been around this business for for many many years, and you know, in the similar situation to what you've just described, so how do you personally keep the motivation? It's very difficult. Is it? Uh, yeah, it is. But you know what? I, I I gotta say this: we have a lot of people that have got a lot of put a lot of effort into this and with a lot of passion and want to win. And so the only way is to keep positive and think, okay. It's 24 hours, and so let's see what happens on Sunday morning. When I'll try and brighten your middle of the night session up with you and have a chat here. We'll talk about the old days, eh? Yeah, thank you. I'll be better. I will say, I mean, I hear everything that Wayne is saying there, but it is Daytona, and it's one of those races that you can sink your way off for 22 of the 24 hours, and then all of a sudden, if you're still vaguely in the hunt, and ideally on the lead lap going into that two hours to go marker you just never know Wayne Taylor chatting to Joe Bradley in that CrowdStrike pit report but the corners of his mouth were down because the faster of his two cars is almost precisely two seconds down on the fastest lap set in this session I know it's a practice session uh, the, the, the fastest time 1 minute 35.983 seconds set by Jack Aitken he's now out of that number 31 Cadillac and Tom Blockfist multiple winner here has taken over the wheel but uh, at the moment uh, Louis Delatraz said the fastest time in his Acura. That's the number 40 car, which now has Jensen Button on board and uh, Ricky Taylor in the sister car. Again, two, two and a bit seconds down on the fastest time in FP1. His ninth overall in a car that's now gone over to IndyCar winner Marcus Ericsson. So, again, Wayne was talking about the quality of the crew. The quality is absolutely there on the driving side, the engineering side. But at the moment, Cadillac, not only do they look sleek static still, but clearly they're very, very quick out on the track. And the number of Porsches getting up at the, the sharp end of the field. None in the top three. Richard Westbrooks is the best place one in fourth. Neil Yarny in fifth. And here's Nick Tandy and Felipe Nazza in the Porsche Penske Motorsport cars, sixth and seventh. But we mentioned uh, Jack Aitken. He's got the fastest time so, so far. The second fastest time is Joe Bradley catching up with him as he gets out of the car. Jack, you guys seem to have carried that performance, that grab your pole position all the way through the week and you're still at the top of the timing streams. Yeah, I mean, we've uh, been pretty happy with the car since we put it down in the raw, to be honest. You know, we've, we've got a pretty mature program now. Um, it's not doing anything unexpected, which was not the case last year. So we just had a nice clean run, and I think that's really paying dividends on the timing sheets, but um, that's uh, obviously not even half the, the, the story for getting to the end of the finish, so it's going well for now. But yeah. I, don't, I know what you're saying, you don't like to say too much to X things. I mean, does that, does that add a pressure to your race weekend? You guys are the pace centres, you're on the pole, and clearly the fastest here. Does that add, add something? No, absolutely not. I mean, I think... For all of us, we feel a certain level of pressure anyway because there's a responsibility to come here and do a good job. But other than that, we're just trying to run through our program and uh, get through the steps. The fact that we're on pole, fantastic. It, it doesn't mean much at the end of the day. We know there's a whole lot of luck that's going to be involved on the weekend. So, um, you know, you cannot take anything for granted. And, you know, I don't feel a pressure because of that as well. Thanks for joining us, Jack. Cheers. So not getting too up in the good times and not getting too down in the bad times and just trying to stay as level as possible. It's a good attitude. That's what I try. Don't I always know. succeed, but, you know. <laughs> Rarely succeed. No, I won't say that. Uh, but, yes, Jack, uh, Jack Aitken um, was fast at Le Mans, but for that opening lap mistake where he sort of semi-binned it. So 
next uh, significant 24-hour race for Jack Aitken, and he's obviously very happy with the car underneath him, as he said. Uh, difficult at times first year, but uh, year two looking very, very solid, and that might be how to win this race this year. Solid and consistent. Now, a moment or two ago for the number three Corvette GT car, what happened on the back straight coming out of Speedway Turn 2? Uh, nothing of significance, unless that was something flying off the car a moment or two ago for Tonio Garcia in his Corvette racing by Pratt Miller Motorsport Z06. And it's now heading through the left-hander and back up onto the banking. Sounds OK. I'm not sure whether we're being drawn, uh, our attention being drawn to... Uh, a Duff engine note, but sounded pretty healthy there. Heading back onto the banking. This car is currently, well, not featuring in the top four. It is in sixth place in GTD Pro. Yeah, just going to take a look. The best time set so far by the Spaniard. One minute, 48.056. Best in class. And GTD Pro is a fair bit quicker. It's a one minute, 47.329. Matteo Caroli, well... That's the Lamborghini, the yellow Lamborghini from Iron Lynx that uh, was upgraded from GTD to GTD Pro. Now Matteo Crisoni. So they've got two Matteo Cs in that car, but it's Crisoni at the wheel at the moment. 147.329, the best lap for that in class. Only a whisker ahead of Daniel Serra, who had that slight uh, moment at the Le Mans chicane not so long ago in the 62 Ferrari from uh, Rizzi Competizioni. Now at the International Horseshoe, your favourite car that uh, is definitely bright purple rather than pink it's the AO Racing Orica that uh, got through turn one okay through the little uh, twisters around uh, of turn two but turn three went deep and then a little bit deeper still the car is known as Spike the Dragon and again we've got to see both sides of its tail no damage done there tyres possibly not quite as sweet as they will be or could be after that so Spike going around showing us his teeth well so let's go down to the crowd strike pit lane because Nick Damon has the very latest news yeah, just a very little update. Now, you were talking about the Corvette Z06 from the semi-works team. Let's not call them the works team, even though <coughs> they are. Uh, uh, but there are two GTD cars. They're the AWA machines, number 30 and number 17. But I'm certain you'll see they've set no laps uh, because they haven't bothered turning up. Uh, their pit box is empty. Uh, apart from wandering around and making sure things are, uh, things are okay and piling up tyres, there's no car activity. So my feeling is they've decided this is a uh, one-hour too much of a, uh, of a session and they're all completely happy where they are but because there's no one to actually tell me that because it is completely empty okay. uh, it's a big double stack um, area and you're looking out the window just looking at the 81 car this is an observation and they appear to have modelled the uh, the 81 P2 which I'll tell you which car that is that's the Dragon Speed car um, on the uh, very popular mid-90s Williams it's got an absolutely uh, uh, well-known cigarette brand colouring on it the other team that appear to have done exactly the same are Heart of Racing with their two Aston Martin Vantages because we have not yet seen in this session the 23 or the 27 cars. So it may well be exactly the same attitude uh, in GTD Pro land. Paul Miller Racing's BMW in the hands of Brian Sellers went out and then came back in again. So it did cross the line, but it's done an outlap and then an inlap and called it a day at that, it would seem. And there were a number of other cars towards the lower portion of the timing screen that either haven't appeared. Well, no, we've covered the ones that haven't appeared, the two AWA Corvettes and the two Heart of Racing Aston Martins, but other cars that have done very, very few laps. And in fact, very, a few of, fewer of them have been across the line, so they've not been timed. 
I'm sure, all part of the plan, though, rather than any significant problems. I think so. I mentioned just a while ago the Ritzy Competizione Ferrari, number 62, Daniel Serra, had that moment where he was just avoiding, well, avoiding stacking it into the tyres at the Le Mans chicane when the P, a trio of P2 cars got close to him. But since then, the car's been parked up, only seven laps on the board. Maybe they thought as the most experienced Ferrari driving that group. Yep, if you think the car's OK, stick it away. Mm. But the, the most laps, actually, a car that's done very few is that... The number 24 BMW. It was right at the sharp end, third at one point in the hands of Jesse Crone. Only four laps on the board. JDC Miller's uh, Motorsports Porsche 963, the 85 car, a slightly wayward route through the Le Mans chicane. I think that's fair to say. A bit too much turning left and not enough turning right when you needed to straighten the car up. That's Ben Keating, though, who, well, in terms of time-wise, this car's right up there, fourth fastest of the session. This, though, is an early gaggle of laps that Ben Keating will be doing. And thankfully, although he did run off the track briefly, he didn't get anywhere close to that very hard barrier on the left-hand side of uh, the driver's direction. And the car was able to rejoin. It's on the infield once more. In a good sense, that is, not on the infield, <laughs> off the track. Infield <laughs> is what I mean. Oh, however... Having said that, you can be on the infield and slap right up against the pit wall, but on the other side of it, so this is the pit exit road, track side, and that's the Stars and Stripes, Sean Creech, Ligier, is it not? It is, unfortunately, and uh, it's damaged to the, the rear wing on the left-hand side. Basically, at the end, if you treat turn two as a right and a left, he hasn't quite got the right bit right, because he's gone across the track and put it side on into the pit wall. Waved yellow flags for one of the Mustangs as it's coming out of the pits did it jump or was it pushed so you've got through turn one and just ending up a little bit long so rear wing on the number 33 Ligier the JSP P217 and we have red flag by the yes Johnny. we do so it's a red flag because of Lance Wilsey's incident now not had a chance to witness it again yet so not sure whether there was another vehicle involved the right side looks relatively straight let's just talk you through this it's all on his own Lance Wilsey losing the car and that is a big big hit into the concrete wall to driver's left it's just before what is often called the Daytona secret corner the right and left flick before you then go into the international horseshoe and uh, if were that not concrete, that had been Armco, it would have pushed it back significantly. But a mass of concrete dust issuing into the air there and towards the pit lane, which is exactly where Joe Bradley is with this CrowdStrike pit report. I have the pleasure of uh, watching that incident with Philippe Nazar from the number seven Porsche Penske uh, GTP. And then he said hypercar there, Philippe. <laughs> How easy is it to do that? I mean, you know, coming through turn one, you're turning and braking. We're just watching that there. Is that an easy thing to do? Yeah, it can happen. Uh, I've seen a couple other times, you know, especially the outside line gets a little bit dirty. And if you go on throttle like too aggressive and just so easy to pin the car there. So uh, one thing to watch for the race for sure. Yeah, I mean, these one-hour sessions, this is effectively the last time you guys have a chance to be in the car before the race. What exactly is the session about for you guys? Yeah, I mean, today was all about the final checks, get every driver a chance to be in the car, you know, do some driver changes, pit stops, and uh, check the brakes. It's really just making sure we have the car to race, and I feel confident on what we have. I feel good in the car. 
there's a lot of days, you know, just preparing and getting to this point. So one day closer to race day and uh, yeah, can't wait to be on the grid tomorrow. Felipe, can you remember 2012? You were here in 2012, Sunoco Challenge winner. I had the pleasure of sitting next to you at the Rolex dinner on the Friday night. You just won the British Formula 3 champion. I mean, that's incredible to think where you are now. It's a long time ago, though, isn't it? It's a long time ago. It makes me think 2012, that's what, 12 years ago. My goodness. Um, And I have to say, for sure, one of the best things I did back then was to discover sports car racing because I had no idea about you know the dynamics of sports car racing and for me that really shook me off in a way that i was you know really delighted to see what sports car was all about so know? what was your attitude then you're, so you were a single seater driver british formula three formula one probably in and here you are at the rolex 24 is that when is that when the epiphany happened i think it for sure opened up uh, the horizon on sports car racing that made me think you know I wanted to do that more in the future. I was pretty much focused on the F1, you know, days back then. Uh, but here I am, you know, uh, together with Porsche Penske Motor, Motorsport, is uh, honored to represent two brands um, in, in motorsport history. And uh, here we are, you know, fighting to get our uh, 24 hours win uh, this weekend. How different is the mindset that you have to have in Formula One when it's kind of selfish? But here you are in sports car racing where you're sharing the car, you're sharing information. That's kind of alien in Formula One, isn't it? It's a completely different uh, environment, uh, driving style, the way you think about the car, setting up the car, the way you share information with drivers. But uh, we think of the organization as, a, as one. So everything is pretty open books, all the drivers. And uh, we all have different times we're going to be driving the car. So you might be with a better set of tire or worse but in the end we all working towards the same goal so uh, like I said having the chance to to try a sports car back in 2012 that really I was really admired by the sport and I I just love what I do Uh, it's for sure one of the best years I had in in motor racing Uh, and I'm pretty sure I want to I want to win more. I want to. I want to do more in sports car racing for sure, and uh, it's something I really feel passionate about it. And here we are. You know, it's been a, it's been a long season in 2023, preparing for all, and I feel we're in a in a much better shape. It's a long race, as we know. We got to be smart, make the right decisions, make the right calls at the right time. Traffic, keep it smooth, keep the car in one piece, but. Uh, it's just phenomenal when you go into the night and you see everything just glowing, the car, the headlights, and uh, Daytona is special. So I'm really looking forward to this weekend. We love you doing what you love doing, you. if that makes sense. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thank and just up the, uh, the pit lane, we are with Lauren Heinrich out of the 77, the AO Porsche. The car on pole, so obviously it's all going well and you'll find the race really easy. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not going to be easy, that's for sure, about the uh, SEP and the AO did an amazing job in qualifying, put the car on pole. Uh, it's my very first Rolex. Uh, in fact, my very first IMSA race also. So, yeah, that's going to be exciting. It's going to be a challenge. I um, think we have, the obviously, the best starting position, uh, but the race is long. Um, just used the last practice now to do the final bits of our preparation for the race. I think we are, we are all set and looking forward to an exciting race. So as a newbie to Daytona, how does this you know, f- cathedral of speed affect me? How do you, what do you feel about this circuit, the whole event? 
Yeah, the circuit is really unique. Uh, I love it. I mean, it's a huge speedway um, with a small road course basically inside. I think it's going to make, make for good racing, good multi-class racing. Um, it's quite different to the tracks that I'm used to from Europe, uh, but so far I love it. And I think it's a perfect track for that uh, race. Now, of course, your, your career, you, you came from the sim racing world. I mean, you must have done thousands of laps around here in a, in a, in a sim car. Yeah, I did the, the, actually the iRacing uh, Rolex 24 plenty of times. I won it in the GTD class already, so maybe that's a good omen, you know. Um, last time we finished second in the P2 class, so yeah, I got plenty of laps here in the virtual world. But actually, in real life, it's a bit of a different story, but uh, yeah, for sure it helped me a lot to, to come here and be fast right, right away. I mean, what is it like with the, with the traffic around Daytona? That's obviously a, a key issue. You're, you're in the slowest of the classes, though that it's also faster than some of the GTDs, but mostly you've got things buzzing you. Yeah, obviously we need to look into the mirror a lot. Uh, luckily, we got a spotter, which is really helpful. It's the first time for me ever working with a spotter, but it really pays off, especially in the night. Um, yeah, a lot of new experiences to make, especially with the really fast GTPs. They're coming super fast on the straight. Um, yeah, just got to be careful and keep the car clean until the end of the race. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Lauren Heinrich with Nick Damon as part of our latest round of CrowdStrike Pit and Paddock reports. And we are green again at Daytona, ahead of the 62nd edition of the 24 Hours of Daytona, which kicks off tomorrow, of course. But this is the final practice session, final session of any word for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship cars before they are then gridded up for a 1.40 local time start tomorrow. So a crucial seven minutes. A red flag in a free practice session means no extension. The clock is not stopped. And in fact, in this championship, they don't even stop the clock in qualifying either. We've had qualifying of sorts this weekend, and there was a stoppage during that, and the clock continued to tick through. So this a chance for the remaining drivers maybe one or two are going to miss out though because their 12 minute segment has been erased yeah that, that was my thoughts Johnny um, the clock stopped it went red with about 14 and 3 quarter minutes remaining it went green again with 8.5 minutes left to play with so by the time you've shuffled your way down the pit lane onto the track really there's time possibly for two flying laps for the majority of these runners and I'm sure a few people will have lost out but at this point thank goodness qualifying was done last weekend at the Raw really good day of running yesterday but you can't push things back here because there's such a packed support programme. We've got a four-hour race later this afternoon. I think the Mazda's MX-5 Cup is out again to keep people on their toes, both drivers and fans uh, worldwide will be watching that. So, busy place. But anyhow, I think this format this year really works very well with that qualifying the weekend ahead. Chance to focus on your setup. OK, if not every driver in every car gets a run in FP4, it's not the end of the world. They've had a really good day yesterday. We'll obviously keep you tuned to what's going on at Sean Creech Motorsport in respect of the repair of that Ligier. We can tell you that Lance Wilsey was able to climb out of the car unaided and go to the rescue unit. I don't know whether, from a spares package point of view, would you prefer to be the only car in LMP2, and therefore you've got all the spares, potentially, or would you prefer there be, to be more cars uh, that are the same as yours in your category so that there's a lot more spares being brought to the track I'm sure Sean Creech Motorsport have thought about that and they've invested in a very healthy spares package but um, I fear that there was only not only bodywork damage done there because that was a big old thud going into potentially the drivetrain I think I, th I think well absolutely so Johnny but I would suggest there weren't other people fighting them for JSP 217 uh, parts on the basis I think that's the only one running in world motorsport at top international level but they well, did make a, a good fist of it how many of them are there then 
was been, it would be my next question. Anyway, uh, let's hope that there are there's a garage full of them, and uh, that that car can be fixed in time for tomorrow's race because we've got over 24 hours before we need to start racing. Well, it is always the eternal question: what happens to racing cars when they go out of vogue? When a formula changes, they don't automatically go into another championship. Where do they get put? It's quite sad because often they were really, really good cars, but the world has changed. And there is no space for them at the time. But hopefully in time, they're not too complicated. And in years to come, decades to come, they can uh, be mm. brought back out in historic racing. Maybe some of the young fans watching here this weekend will become passionate about certain cars. And they'll get their day with those cars in 15, 20 years' time when they've uh, got out of shorts. Well, let's go down because uh, Joe Brandy's working really hard in the CrowdStrike pit lane with PJ Hyatt, I understand. Uh, yeah, PJ, just remind me what number LMP2 car you are. 99. 99, of course. I saw it on the door there by the time I got in here. I'd forgotten. Um, bit of a different situation to when we last saw you in last, last season. Here you are, LMP2, different class of car, completely different car. Downforce prototype in comparison to the GTD car. What are the differences? Well, it's... Uh yeah, and like you say, it's a downforce car. You really have to trust the uh, aerodynamics of the car to go you, through these corners. You make corners. that sound easy. Tell us, what do you mean? <laughs> well, it's, they go real fast around the corners. So compared to a GT car, you just have to believe that the tires are going to stay planted to the ground at significantly higher speeds compared to what I was driving last year. But, I mean, that's that's the fun part. And you so far you're enjoying the actual driving um, element of, the, of, the, of being around this car. Yeah, no question. I, I absolutely love driving this car, and I think we've got a great team put together for this weekend, and it's an, it's an amazing track, so it's a wonderful combo. You have. You've got a cracking driving lineup. Uh, tell us a little bit about your teammates for this weekend. I mean, for me, it's an embarrassment of riches. With <laughs> Paul Liu, last year's champion, we got Matt Brabham, who's done everything from the Baja 1000 to the Indy 500, and then we've got Alex Quinn, who was also on the team with Paul Liu last year. So, I mean, for me, it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. These are great, great drivers. From the operational sense of going racing in a 24-hour race, it doesn't matter what car you're driving, or surely it's this, it's a similar sort of concept of how you go about that. Yeah, no, no question. The the real primary goal for for me keep the car in one piece and let the let the pros do their thing towards the end of the race. But yeah, for 24 hours, it's hopefully really really boring for the first 18 to 20 of those. That's the idea. 23 and a half hour qualifying for a 30 minute sprint. That's what we want, isn't it? Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Thanks, PJ. Good luck for the weekend. Thanks, man. And good to be introduced to Spike the Dragon LMP2 car because uh, it's PJ's kids, isn't it? That are dinosaur fanatics, but uh, clearly they're also now into dragons too because uh, they've got they've gone through at least a couple of dinosaurs in GT uh, in GT world, both in GTE and GT3. But now moving a class, I suppose you need to. Move a class of, class of not quite mythical being, but a dragon is, though, isn't it? A dinosaur, definitely not. Yeah, and certainly some of the merchandise that goes with that team. I saw people posting on X, formerly known as Twitter, saying, I can go home now, I've got one each for my children. You know, <laughs> to forget the race, I've got the merch. So, yeah, no, it's fantastic. It's a breath of fresh air. And for PJ, you know, to step up to a P2, that's uh, a sharp intake of breath and then a breath of fresh air. Yeah, well, uh, we've uh, been... Gifted to, or uh, we've been enjoying every single side of that car because of a slight error that he had into the international horseshoe, but thankfully was able to do a quick U-turn and uh, rejoin the racetrack. And uh, the car still looking resplendent in that very, very special livery. Now in the hands of Matt Brabham, AO Racing Orica with uh, 
that car having done the fifth fastest time in LMP2. A lot of the GTPs have decided either not to retake the session or maybe just do a quick lap and then back in again because of the front-running GTPs, oh, all of them, in fact, there are still only two that are out on the racetrack. The all-yellow JDC Miller Motorsports Porsche 963 of Ben Keating and Nick Tandy, who was in right at the start as well in the Penske Motorsports 963. Car number six is still circulating, having just ticked off another lap. Yeah, I think going out with just eight and a half minutes remaining wasn't quite enough of a bite at the apple for a lot of the crews. If they, you know, they've had good good day yesterday with three full sessions if it'd been a dozen minutes it might have made a difference but as i said if you could effectively go have an out lap maybe two flying laps and then an in lap it's not really enough if you're already on top of your car and if you're driving a cadillac you're very much on top of the car because that's the only mark that's got down into the uh, one minute 35s in this session one minute 35.983 seconds fastest time set by jack aitkin next up second fastest is the time set by Conor de filippi in the number 25 BMW M Hybrid V8 and another Cadillac uh, V Series R. Ring of Anders Anders driving the 01 now, but Sebastian Borde, he ended up being half a second down on the sister car. So it's Cadillac BMW Cadillac, and this session has come to an end. The chequered flag has just been unfurled and waved. And one of the first to receive it was Nick Tandy in the number six Porsche 963. Nicholas Nielsen home in second position in LMP2 and third quickest in P2, Ryan DL in the era motorsport car. So Richard Mille, of course, at Orica, second fastest, number 88, and DL just behind in the number 18. And we're not going to see many other GTP cars get the chequered flag, although Neil Jarney looks like he's sneaked out for, it won't be a time lap at this rate, but is now out of the pit lane in the Proton competition Mustang sampling Porsche 963, so a very late run for the Swiss. Well, he needs all the t lap time he can, because of course that car got uh, dropped in qualifying in, at the Raw, and uh, extra, extra laps required wherever possible. And have we had an incident on the final slowing down lap or perhaps just before the chequered flag but uh, no I think we're all still fine and the session is about to be completed obviously if you've started a quick lap before seeing the chequered flag you will be permitted to complete that and uh, both of the Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Motorsport uh, Acuras are just taking their time to complete the session Jordan Taylor now in Philippe Albuquerque will be following suit in a moment. Ninth fastest. So the tail of the tape, and we were getting word really from Wayne Taylor earlier on of the pre-practice sessions for the Acuras. They finished FP1 7th and 10th. FP2, it was 8th and 10th. Pre-practice 3, it was 6th. So that's the best so far. And 9th. And now in this session... 8th and ninth. There's definitely something up with those cars. Wayne Taylor uh, suggested to Joe he knew exactly what it was, but he wasn't going to say anything. No, and I think the number you need to know, it's not just 8th and ninth. it's 2 seconds. That's their, their, their gap to the fastest time set by the number 31 Whelan Cadillac, uh, set by Jack Aitken, the only driver to go under 1 minute 36. So there'll be head scratching, but uh, the experience, experience doesn't arrive overnight, Johnny. And uh, so a good clean session by and large, Johnny. And that's it for practice for the 60-second Rolex 24 at Daytona.
Plenty more to come on RS2 IMSA Radio, of course, because, yes, that's it for the WeatherTech cars, but we have a packed Friday for the rest of the day. If you're not at the track, head to radio-show.co.uk for the schedule at the bottom of that, but uh, you will be hearing cars moving very, very shortly because it'll be... The Master MX-5 Cup, uh, not too far, sorry, uh, Michelin Pilot Challenge next up. So that's in a little over an hour's time. And that's their big Friday evening race, of course. And you can join the rest of the RS2 IMSA Radio crew for full coverage of that, including the build-up as well from 1.30. My thanks to Nick Damon and Joe Bradley providing the CrowdStrike pit and paddock reports. To Bruce Jones, to my right, it's Johnny Palmer here in the Global Broadcast Centre. Stay with us. On RS2. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.